1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app right now. There is a really sweet prize. All you have to do is download the KDOS 1060 app, register, and you are eligible for the hardwood tickets. Uh, that contest currently ongoing, the KDOS 1060 app. So I certainly suggest you get involved in that. It is the extra point here on this Thursday, November 9th. Week 10 in the NFL gets started. We were going through, uh, taking a look through nine weeks of the NFL, the NFC West, and the expectations of each of those teams heading into it and a bit of a where they are now and a bit of a look ahead for the remainder of the season. We'll conclude the NFC West momentarily, and we'll also do a couple of teams that I think had uh, big storylines heading into the season and where they they currently are. We'll do that momentarily. 602-260-1060, though, is the number. We'll take your calls, I promise, at 1215 today. But let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Bob had a conversation with Aaron McMahon, MLive.com, chatting all things Michigan football on and off the field. Here's the question. Do you believe Jim Harbaugh had no knowledge of the apparent Michigan sign stealing? The masses remain out in front on the no side of things to the tune of 83% of the vote. Yes is trailing at 17%. We'll officially answer it around 1230 today. Tossing it on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Uh, There is more going on than just sign stealing. There's an actual game against a big 10 opponents between Michigan and Penn State. So who wins on Saturday in Happy Valley? And the masses remain out in front on the Penn State side of things at 60% of the vote. Michigan trailing at 40%. 40%. We as well answer that question 12:30 today. As I mentioned going through the NFL We'll get things going with the Seahawks, the last of our teams to discuss from the NFC West. They're sitting at 5-3. and three. I think for me, the defense is better than I thought that they would be. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, their rookie who they drafted this offseason, has had some highlight moments for sure. Geno's inconsistencies, though, maybe we didn't talk enough about you know, who Geno Smith really is. So maybe these inconsistencies caught us off guard a bit, uh, but it's kind of been stalling the Seahawks offense uh, to to what they're capable of doing. I don't think he's been inconsistent. I think he's been consistently bad uh, for the majority of his career and certainly the majority of this season. Uh, you know, they, they're a team that's above 500. I call them a phony team last week before they played uh, – the Baltimore Ravens, and I was at least right about that for one week uh, because they certainly couldn't compete at that game. They have a negative point differential for the season with a winning record, and you, know, you follow that stuff more than I do, Caleb, but I'm guessing there's not too many teams that have that, a plus 500 record and a negative point differential for the season. And also, 
You know, last week, that Baltimore game, there was some speculation that maybe DK Metcalf is either still injured or he just quit playing while he was on the field. Like He just gave up. Uh, looking ahead, I think for me here is can Gino take care of the football and get the Seahawks offense back on track behind Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet as well? Yeah, to me, it doesn't matter. I just don't think he's any good. I mean, he had one magical season, and uh, my guess is when we look back, whenever his career is over, he had one magical season, and that was last year. Uh, so we'll see what happens. They're lucky they're in the NFC. Uh, if they were in the AFC, they'd be you know, mathematically alive. But, uh, you know, they you know, just look at what they did against you know, one of the best teams in the AFC last week. They can't compete there. But they're in the NFC, and there has to be uh, – how many teams make the playoffs? Too many, actually. Can they actually change that? Let's get the bylaws changed on that. Let's just have more teams in the AFC in the playoffs and fewer in the NFC. Fair enough. Well, let's go to the AFC here. Uh, one of the teams that they, they won the Super Bowl. It doesn't get any more on top of the pinnacle than that last year. Talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, they're sitting at 7-2. and two. This defense is carrying this team, and it's the best defense in the Mahomes era. I would say I did not have that on my bingo card heading into the year. Offensively, it's been a bit how of many, a... How many bingo cards do you have? You have a lot of those? I actually don't. I, I don't. I don't play okay, bingo. Okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> You don't do bingo? Okay, I haven't done a bingo since I was like 10. But I, it was fun. I would say that, you know, um, I'm trying to keep a little bit of my youth, and so I'm not ready to dive into bingo yet. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I guess you bet you play bingo when you're young and when you're old. I'm old, and I haven't got back into bingo yet. I do, I do remember it was kind of fun when I was young, though. So maybe I should do that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I know okay. it can chew up a, a couple of hours of your day. <laughs> Okay, well, seemingly, maybe in the summer, okay. I could, you know, I, you know, I got a little more time in the summer than during football season, so probably not happen anytime soon, but, you know, that's something I got to, I got to make a note here, like in June, bingo. Okay, there we go. All right, let me know right. how it goes. Okay, well, I, yeah, sure, I'll have a play-by-play for that. Yeah, the, B, B, B12 or whatever, the hell, <laughs> however that works. Offense for the Chiefs here, it's been a struggle, I would say. Receivers dropping passes, uh, the run game inconsistent here. And if it hasn't been for Travis Kelsey, I really wonder where this offense would be. That's true. And, yeah, I, I've mentioned it, and I've heard it everywhere this week, not because I mentioned it, because it's like everywhere. They have the most drop passes for wide receivers in the NFL, and it's not even close. I don't even know who's second. I mean, I've never, I don't even see any standings. So, like, you know, who's number two behind Kansas City? Their wide receivers have not been good. They, uh, they've got some guys that are explosive, but if you don't catch the ball, it doesn't really matter. And uh, I, I sense that there's going to be a pattern here because I kind of got into this a little bit yesterday. When we go through these AFC teams, almost every one of them, uh, at least the top three teams, in my opinion, or three of the top four, I should say. Three of the top four teams, I think, are you know, winning games much more because of their defense than their more heralded offenses. Uh, looking ahead, will their offense prevent them from winning in the playoffs or even prevent them from home field advantage in the playoffs? Well, Mahomes has never played a road playoff game in the AFC, uh, so we'll see. But I think it's too early to tell on that. Also, I have too much respect for Andy Reid to maybe figure some stuff out. 
Uh, so we'll see on that. But uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not good. Right. Also, it should be pointed out that you know they've lost two games, and one of them was when Kelsey and Jones didn't play in the opener. The other one is Patrick Mahomes was Patrick, Patrick Mahomes was sick as hell when they played in Denver. That is very true. Uh, the other team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl, it was the Eagles. Uh, they're sitting at 8-1. and one. They were adjusting to two new coordinators on both offense and defense heading into the season. For the defense, they are still getting pressure. The offense is still successful with their brotherly shove. We have the A.J. Brown emergence, Devontae Smith's inconsistencies, and maybe a little bit of inconsistency with uh, some continuity and play calling that we've seen so far. I think you make a really good point that I have not heard made enough uh, by you know, the network, tel- network television, podcast, whatever. The coordinator thing, I think, is a really legitimate point. We're halfway through the season, roughly, and there's still questions there. Now, the other side of this could be uh, clearly Jalen Hurts isn't 100% healthy and has not been for weeks. And they've had a bunch of dudes on defense coming in and out of the lineup, especially defensive backs because of multiple injuries to different guys. That's my look ahead here is how is Jalen Hurts' health? Uh, is his knee going to be a problem as the season goes on? Don't have any idea. I'm guessing that they don't have any idea. So we'll see how that goes. You're just going to kind of monitor it from week to week. Yeah, you know, last week when they played Dallas, he was uh, – yeah, went into the locker room early at the end of the half when it became apparent they weren't going to get the ball back. Uh, and also, remember, he came out right before the last second before the second half started. So, yeah, there was – I forgot who the sideline reporter was. My bad on that. But whoever it was did a really good job asking the question and didn't get an answer, whether he was getting some kind of uh, injection or whatever. And uh, they didn't give her a straight answer. But uh, – so we'll find out. And like I said, I'm sure they don't know. And they, they need their defensive backs to all be healthy at one time, otherwise known as simultaneously, which has rarely happened so far this season. And they, they're 8-1, but they've only got two wins this year by double digits. And their schedule gets pretty challenging ahead after the bye. Yeah, it actually, yeah, it actually kind of started. I mentioned the next five games. That's in, I mentioned that yesterday. That's completely you know, not, not accurate. Their five-game stretch of, you know, this toughest stretch of five games probably of any team in the league started last week with that Dallas game. Now they get the bye, but then their next four games are a bear. The no, lo- not, not, not playing the Bears. I want to make sure I get that part. That would, that would, be not, that would not be difficult. <laughs> the Lions, they are sitting at 6-2, and two, and there was so much hype around this Lions team going to win the division, going to the playoffs this year. So the question is, have they lived up to it? Injuries certainly piled up on both sides of the ball, especially defensively before the season even, gets st- even got started. Uh, but so far, I think David Montgomery has been really good. They're finding ways to utilize Jameer Gibbs and uh, you know they're I think you just have to throw out that that game against the Ravens I agree with that uh, and I'm coming around here they have the second best record in the NFC uh, this week they're coming off the bye and uh, I'll be on them against the Chargers this week uh, the Chargers are off a Monday night uh, road game and now they're playing a team that had a bye last week uh, that's not the only reason I just don't completely believe in the Chargers I'm going to bring you around this David Montgomery thing. You seem to be surprised that he's good. (laughs) So he's been really good since he was at Iowa State. 
And I think he was probably more impressive when he was with the Bears because they had a horrible offensive line and a quarterback carousel of you guys that aren't very good. And he was still good there. And uh, he, by the way, he's a, they, he practiced yesterday in full. So I'm assuming that he'll be back and playing this game against the Chargers on Sunday. Uh, and then looking ahead here, you know, can this Lions defront this offensive line continue to be strengths for them as things kind of turn weather-wise? They get outside; they're not in the dome anymore. Can those 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 lines of scrimmages continue to be winners for this Lions team? The good news is, you know, they play in two you know two teams in that division play in domes. Uh, their home games, obviously, and I think they still play in Minnesota. If I don't remember them playing at Minnesota so far this year. So there's that. The thing about the offensive line, though, is has there been more than one or two games? There definitely has not been more than a couple games. That line's been intact all year because they've had some injuries. The Bills, they're sitting at five and four. Has the window closed with this current Bills roster construction? You do have some injuries on defense that have obviously changed the defensive dynamics here in season. And it's a new year, but it continues to be the same problem on offense. Josh Allen has to be the one running the football. Right. They cannot run the ball. There's no doubt. I don't. If these guys were healthy, I don't think the window would have closed. I think it's a really legitimate question, and I'd probably lean towards that the window has been closed. You know, when you lose Jones, Daquan Jones, their best defensive lineman, Matt Milano, who might be the best inside linebacker in the NFL, and you lose Trey White, their best corner to season-ending injuries. You know, I don't know how they overcome that. One thing that would really help them on defense is if Von Miller, who has been playing. Uh, but you don't really notice he's out there. They need, him, they need him to be what he was prior to the knee injury last year, and he hasn't been anywhere. He's not even been a factor in most games See that he's played so far. For me, looking ahead, the question here is, do the Bills make the playoffs? And if they do, are they a threat? I don't think they are. I mean, like I said, I just can't imagine them over. They tried – yeah, they, they went out and did what they could before the trade deadline and also you know, via the waiver wire. They're trying hard to improve that defense. I think the biggest issue for them, though, is not necessarily the defense at this moment. I mentioned all those injuries, but you said they can't run the ball. The only reason that they run the ball ever with any success is when Josh Allen runs the ball. And they've gone in and you know, they brought in Leonard Fournette and – you know, he, you know, playoff Lenny, well, you know, he might be sitting at home in the playoffs uh, wherever home is these days. I guess it's like right now in Buffalo somewhere. But uh, you know, they just can't – you can't run the ball. I don't care who your quarterback is. That's going to make things much more difficult. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, Josh Allen's also got this shoulder thing going on, which has been going on – you know, that's been going on for about a month. Yeah, he's had, he's three out of twenty in his last four games on passes twenty yards down the field or longer because he is just can't get the ball down the field because his shoulders hurt. I think that's uh, actually a really good point, uh, and that was also very quiet how that shoulder came about, and we saw him in and out of the tent, but then uh, not really a whole lot discussed about it. He has you know sh- shown up a few times on the injury report, and uh, McDermott has talked about it, but I don't know that it's been talked about maybe enough about where he's at. No doubt, and he actually got apparently got hurt the week before. I forgot who they played the week before, but they had that Thursday night game. And Kaylee Hartung was pretty insistent on trying to you know, find out what was wrong with his shoulder when he went into the tent. And uh, typical NFL, 
they didn't tell her really anything. But she was clearly on that story for sure. There's a few more teams on my list. We'll get to them on the other side of the break. We'll also take your phone calls, 602-260-1060. There's a Thursday night football game as well. Injuries to discuss. Uh, The Panthers at the Bears. That game, obviously, uh, the Panthers now don't have their first rounder next year because they gave it to the Bears. And now these two teams are fighting for a win on Thursday night football. So we'll get into more of that, plus your phone calls, 602-260-1060. You know, if you were trying to get in in hour number one, it's time now here in hour number two. We'll get back to you on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Just a couple more teams left on this list. As we're through nine weeks of the NFL season, week 10 getting started tonight in the NFL. Expectations before the season. Where are they at now? And a look ahead as they conclude the year and maybe even into the playoffs. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. So the Baltimore Ravens, they're sitting at 7-2. and two, And the, the talk of the town all offseason long was Lamar Jackson, the new offense, Todd Munkin. Well, it was a bit of a slow start with the offense. There also were a plethora of running back injuries sustained to the Ravens here. So the question now is, have the offensive questions and struggles been answered? Injuries on defense to start the year, but that didn't seem to stop this defense yet. They've been as dynamic as ever on defense. Yeah, I want to go to their offensive injuries. I mean, yeah, Stanley, their left tackle, is one of the best in the league at that position. And Linderbaum, their starting center, they were both injured and missed some time at the early part of the season. Those guys have been healthy for a while. I think that has much to do with anything as far as their offensive production. And actually, they've been a far better running team. Not just, you know, Lamar had the you know massive yards in some of his earlier seasons in his career. But they actually have running backs now running the ball. And they really have three guys that are now running the ball with effectiveness and running backs that are doing that. In addition to the threat Lamar obviously still poses to defenses. But to me, running the ball on offense with running backs is a big deal. And their defense has just been really, really good. And uh, I think the best defense that they've actually had during the Lamar Jackson era. Looking ahead, some questions for me. Can Lamar stay healthy? Can this uh, Ravens offense roll into the playoffs? And will they be hosting playoff games? Well, I guess that's a big deal for them. They won one playoff game with Lamar. I don't think they maybe they played. They played one playoff game at home and lost to the Chargers that one year. So I think that's the only home playoff game they've actually had with him. Uh, To me, I don't really care if they win out the rest of the regular season. I'm not going to believe in them until they actually win in the postseason. 
The staying in the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals, there were obviously plenty of expectations for this Bengals team. Then you had the calf injury to Joe Burrow, which sidelined him for much of the training camp, offseason, preseason programs. And it was a slow, slow start to the actual season for them on offense with that calf injury. It seemingly seems that they found some answers on offense. I do think there are still some questions with Joe Mixon and running the football uh, and whether or not that can get better as we turn the calendar into November and the defense is getting stronger as each game goes on. Yeah, I don't diminish the Burrow thing because that was obviously there in the fact that he was limited as far as mobility and so forth. But also, you know, the T. Higgins missed some time because of injury. Now it looks like Jamar Chase is at least a legitimate questionable for this week. Also, remember, they play Baltimore next week, so I would think that they might, if he's 50-50, try to hold him back for another week so he can be healthy in that Baltimore game next week, which has all kinds of implications and tiebreakers and everything else. Uh, but to me, uh, the fact that you know they, you know, you know, obviously Burrow's healthy now, but once again, another team whose defense has really improved, and this just goes to Lou Anarumo doing his usual deal and more this year, in my opinion, because he had all these inexperienced secondary uh, you know, guys in the secondary. Uh, they lost their starting safeties last year, and there was massive confusion in some of those early games as to how they were supposed to you know, be you know, multiple cover, coverages and so forth. That seems to have uh, not completely disappeared, but uh, that their defense has gotten tremendously better, especially in the back end, because those inexperienced guys now have more experience and they're being coached up. Look, and you know, being not everybody in the NFL gets coached up, by the way, but these guys certainly have been. Sorry about that. Uh, looking ahead, okay. my question here is: Can this now become the most dangerous wild card team ahead? I think they're actually the best team in the AFC uh, as of right now. I mean, if I were doing like, if I were an odds maker doing power rankings, or if I was a better doing power rankings, I would have them the number one team in the AFC as of right now. Assuming Chase is playing this week, if that if he doesn't play, obviously that changes. But you know, if he's healthy, I think they're the best team in the, in the conference. Final uh, team to discuss here, the Cowboys. They're sitting at 5-3, and three, and so much was made in the offseason about transitioning away from Kellen Moore and going to a Mike McCarthy offense. He wanted to establish the run, so has it worked? Well, Tony Pollard has 120 carries, 474 yards, and two touchdowns on the season. We know about this Cowboys defense and how good they can be, what their defensive front does to cause problems to opposing offenses. But you're always going to kind of wonder what could this defense have been, uh, defense have been with uh, the injury to uh, Trayvon Diggs so early on in the season. That's true. That's a good point. I think offensively, I don't think it's really anything to do with the coordinator. I think the offensive line has certainly not performed anywhere near the level that we've seen this offensive line. Basically, the same guys uh, perform in past years. Uh, so I think that that's been a big deal. There's no question. Uh, two things. One, there's no question that Zeke Elliott's not as good now or last season as he had been previously, but they desperately miss him. Short yardage, running the ball in the red zone, which they've been terrible in the red zone for much of the season, including obviously the game here, uh, because Pollard is just physically not capable of filling that void, which they should have known before the season started. 
Also, I'm, one thing I'm, I guess that they, I assume they did not know before the season started is that Pollard certainly does not have the explosiveness that he had before the awful uh, leg injury he had during that playoff game against uh, the 49ers last year. He's not the same dude. Now, the best thing for the Cowboys here is that you know, while the Eagles are playing that brutal schedule that we talked about, the Cowboys have four of their next five games at home. Uh, starting this week against the Giants, and the Cowboys have won 11 consecutive home games. Thursday night football. It uh, gets week 10 in the NFL started tonight. Panthers plus three, Bears minus three, over under sitting at 38.5 from FanDuel. It's a 6-15 start on Amazon Prime. You know, the expectations go up big time when you're a first-round pick, and they go up even more when you're number one overall. So, you know, there's always uh, – how much patience is there going to be with a, n- a number one overall selection? And are we there yet with Bryce Young? Have we seen uh, enough from him to uh, say, hey, this offensive line needs to help uh, secure things up for him? Hey, there needs to be some wide receivers who can get some separation here to have some dynamic explosiveness here. Where are we kind of at with Bryce Young uh, in his rookie tenure? I'm not, not I'm not sure, uh, to be honest. And I wasn't the biggest Bryce Young fan coming out. You know, maybe I watched too much Kyler Murray here, and I just thought he was you – know, he's even smaller, not shorter, but smaller uh, as far as physical build than Kyler Murray. And I just wondered before the draft process whether he was going to be a really effective NFL player. And I think there's questions whether he is or not. But I don't think it's all on him. Their offensive line has not been good. Their wide receiver room went healthy. Even though they, you know, Chark is going to be out again tonight. I'm not sure how good he actually is, but he's like their number two wide receiver. Adam Thielen, who looked like he was completely shot and finished last season at the end of the year in Minnesota, has actually been good this year. He's been their best receiver. You know, fantasy players love him because he's, I'm sure, bailed out many fantasy teams so far this year. Uh, so there's other things going around. They're running backs. I don't think anybody's going to put any of those people in the Hall of Fame anytime soon. And, you know, they lost McCaffrey. They obviously traded him last year. So, you know, the Bryce Young thing, he hasn't been given a full deck to deal with here. Defensively, as far as this game goes tonight, Brian Burns, who might be really their only pass rusher, he's a good pass rusher for sure. He's out tonight. C.J. Henderson, arguably their best cornerback, is out tonight. They both are in concussion protocol. Uh, they're they're kind of a mess on defense. Right, they're not that good this year when they've been healthy on defense. So they went out inside Blake Martinez, uh, who is basically retired. And Blake Martinez is from, of course, the Canandoro High School, Harvard of the Southwest, at Athlete Factory. And he's about the only professional athlete I can think of right now from the Canandoro High School. So I got to get my pop in there from my, my former school back in the 100 years ago for me. <laughs> Very good. Uh, flipping this, though, to the other, you know, former first round number one pick uh, for the Bears with Justin Fields. I mean, how much longer are they going? To, he's not, He's been ruled out. Well, that was also actually a very bizarre press conference from Matt Eberflus where he called him doubtful, <laughs> doubtful then Shocking. out, then doubtful, Shocking. then out. Yeah. It was wild. Uh, and, but, well, then he was actually asked, is he out? Because I, sorry, I could sense some frustration. 
And I'm pretty sure I knew the dude who asked the question yesterday. I'm uh, not 100% sure, but I think I do. And I could just, you know, whoever it was, that dude was, you know, everybody in that press conference had to be frustrated. They just like asked, is he out? <laughs> kind of like, let us know, is he playing? And then he said, no, he's not playing. Uh, so there's that. As far as Justin Fields, uh, I was not the biggest fan of him uh, going into the NFL. He was a really good college quarterback. He had problems staying healthy. In fact, in his years at Ohio State, he never made it through an entire season. He played some games uh, in, when he was not healthy, but the, he was beat up a lot. He can't protect himself. He couldn't protect himself in college. He's taken some hellacious shots in the NFL, and been uh, he's missed some time because of that. So I'm not, I've never really thought that he was the man in Chicago. Tyson Bagent certainly is not the man. He's another guy that should never be starting an NFL game as a quarterback for anybody. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. And, you know, they're, if they don't draft a quarterback next year, we assume that they're going to win this game tonight, I'm thinking. But they're not going to win too many more games. They play the Cardinals. That'll be a, quite a showdown. Can't wait for that game, huh? Uh, whoosh. Uh, anyway, uh, the Cardinals, uh, the fact they, you know, this week might be the only game that they're close to being favored this year, but they play the Bears, so maybe they'll be close to being favored in that game. But uh, one other thing about tonight's game, this is a big revenge game for DJ Moore and also, you know, Dante Foreman, uh, who was, uh, I think, the leading rusher in Carolina last year, close to it. And uh, they didn't, they obviously traded more to Chicago and Foreman left via free agency. So those two guys, I'm sure, are pretty fired up to play against the Panthers. One other note about Thursday Night Football, uh, Al Michaels did an interview with the New York Post's Andrew Marchand, and uh, <laughs> he said here, as far as I'm concerned, I'm doing it next year. There's no question about that in my mind. That was Al Michaels in reference to calling Thursday Night Football in 2024. There has been some criticism of Al Michaels this year in his lack of enthusiasm, and we know his lack of enthusiasm from last year as he was calling for better matchups and then i don't know yeah. if this matchup really well, helps that enthusiasm level no i'm sure that, you know the good news he gets to go to chicago and there's many 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 good restaurants in chicago and he's been there enough and i'm sure he knows everybody in all those restaurants plus i heard al michaels last week on the nf network say that he's never had a vegetable in his life so i'm even more of a big al michaels fan now as i was before Oh, vegetables are good, Bob. Poll questions there next. Extra point with local and national topics, betting lines and banter. Weekdays 10 to noon on KTUS AM 1060. KTUS1060.com and the KTUS 1060 app. Right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It is now time to answer today's poll questions. As a reminder here, the poll question, KDOS1060.com. Do you believe Jim Harbaugh had no knowledge of the apparent Michigan sign stealing? Yes or no? Anything is possible. You know what the word's coming next, right? But. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, I find it almost impossible to believe that somebody who is in control of a program 
like he apparently is in Michigan, had no knowledge of this. I remember when he got suspended for the first, was that the first three games of the regular season, whatever that was. Self-imposed. Yeah, that's right. Whenever that happened, I remember there were, you know, quotes from either players and or coaches saying that, you know, you know it's going to be really tough for him to be away on Saturday because, you know, he's, you know, I don't know if he's one of these guys that you can't really uh, even get a paper clip from anybody in the athletic department without his permission or, you know, I'm extending, you know, I know I'm being somewhat sarcastic here, but, yeah, you know, he's a hands-on dude. And I find it almost impossible to believe, like I said, never say never, I guess, but I find it really difficult to believe that he didn't have knowledge about what was going on, especially because now as we continue through this whole process, which may never end, it's been like a three-year thing now, three seasons this has been going on, at least. Yeah, so for me to answer this question, it seems unlikely that, you know, maybe he doesn't know all of the specifics behind how the signs were obtained, Mm. but it seems really unlikely that he wasn't aware signs from other teams were discovered and used. Uh, So maybe that's the part where I could maybe believe he he wasn't aware of uh, this Connor stallions flying around the country and, and all the intricate nature that seems to be behind all of this. Maybe that's the part that I could say, yeah, maybe he didn't have knowledge of that. But um, then when you have Michigan coming out and then saying, well, we know these other teams had our signs and they were conversing with each other, it, it then seems to really indicate that you're admitting having signs from other teams is something that you yourself do and you know that it's prevalent across the the league and it's prevalent across the uh the football landscape so this whole thing is just just a mess yeah the one thing if the big 10 yesterday said that there wasn't any like collusion i'm using that word my that's my word uh between shiano and uh, ryan day as far as the signals and apparently that was out there this week too uh but we'll see what uh you know if anything comes to that and uh, like i said that's uh Somebody needs to write a book on this. We got somebody's probably already started writing a book about this. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But it's not like that this is, you know, something new. I mean, this has been illegal for at least since the mid 90s. I remember, you know, that's the first time I heard about something about stealing signs and it's they they you know clamp down quote unquote on this was uh, you know like in the, with Oklahoma in the mid 90s and uh They weren't even doing a very good job of it because Oklahoma wasn't very good in the mid-90s. The masses are on the no side of things at 85% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 15%. This is the KDOS1060.com poll question. One other reminder for you. uh, Aaron McCann of MLive.com joined Bob in the sports zone. And if you missed any of that interview talking about Michigan on and off the field, you can always podcast that over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. Flipping the... Yeah, one other quick thing about that. We cover all the sign-stealing thing at the start and... uh, I like apologize for you know even before we got started because I didn't want to. We would be talking that we would have talked to Aaron today no matter what. Had this never been public knowledge because this is such a big game this week. It's mainly a focus on the game. I'm guessing it's like 75% on the game and like 25% on the sign stealing stuff. So if you want to avoid, if you're just sick of the sign stealing thing, and I'm sick of it myself. 
uh, I can totally understand. But you know, the game itself is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this game as much of any game so far this season in college football. Well, let's talk about the game. It's the Twitter poll question at KDUS AM 1060. Who wins on Saturday in Happy Valley, Michigan or Penn State? And despite not having played many good teams on the schedule so far, I do think Michigan is a better squad. Uh, I think you give the edge in the quarterback battle to J.J. McCarthy. Uh, The running game here for Michigan, we know what they're capable of doing on defense as well. And maybe possibly this sign-stealing situation could be working in favor of Michigan uh, in an us-against-the-world type mentality. Yeah, well, certainly all this stuff, and this has been going on for seemingly like three or four weeks now, right, since it became, quote, public knowledge, and I'm sure it's been going on before it was public knowledge, at least, you know, talk around the Big Ten, needless to say. I think we've learned that the athletic directors and uh, the coaches are pretty disgusted. There's got to be some kind of jealousy here, too, though, because, you know, let's face it. Yeah, I think even Michigan fans would admit that Jim Harbaugh sometimes is not the most easy human being to like. And I'm guessing that opponent coaches can't stand him in some cases. And it's not just Ryan Day, it's others. Uh, so there's that going on there, too. But uh, but it has not affected the round field of performance. I mean, they haven't played anybody that's any good. This is the first ranked opponent. They're only going to play two ranked opponents during the regular season. Obviously, the next one is in two weeks when they you know, play you know, Ohio State and Ann Arbor. But this team is really, really good. And, you know, plus 34-point differential. They've allowed seven points per game this season. They still haven't had a snap inside the red zone with their defense. I don't care who you're playing. I mean, that's a really that's, those are incredible numbers. The thing I'm most curious about this game, however – is you know Michigan's offense is just has a different look from last year. They have three new offensive line starters. They were all you know basically uh, transfer portal guys. Their their running game, which was just incredibly dynamic, and the reason that they really won the last two years and went to the college football playoff, those numbers have really declined this year. Uh, and JJ McCarthy has become a much better passer. That's one of the reasons the numbers have declined, but the other numbers like yards per carry, et cetera, have gotten worse. And this is by far, and you can make a case that this Penn State defense is better than Ohio State's defense in a couple weeks because it's not like Ohio State's defense has played a gauntlet of offenses either. But this is going to be, if not the best defense that Michigan plays this year, it's going to be their second, uh, second best and how does McCarthy do, and how do they run the ball, and can they run the ball against a really good defensive front from uh, from Penn State? I think that they'll be able to run the ball enough, and I think that they'll, you know, McCarthy, I think, is really good, and I don't think he's getting enough Heisman love nationally. I know he's like in the top five, or depending on which website you check out. But if he beats Penn State and beats Michigan the next three weeks, I think you make a really easy case because if that happens, he, I, we think it's safe to say, safe to assume that he's going to have two really good games. And uh, now I think that he'll be the big difference in this game. Also, James Franklin has lost nine straight games against top five opponents now. Uh, they've lost, they being Penn State, have lost to uh, Ohio State and Michigan. Both seven, uh, in seven of the last 10 years, they've lost to both of them. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. 
Drew Aller did have four touchdown passes last year, last week, excuse me, and was good on the road for the really the first time this year. Back at home, there's you know that's a case for Penn State that you know, back at home and la di da. But I think the Michigan wins this game, and uh, if the game were the you know, four and a half fives, kind of a tr- tricky number. Uh, if somebody would like to give me minus three, I would take Michigan for sure and bet on it. <laughs> uh, the masses, though, they're on the Penn State side of things at 60% of the vote. Michigan trailing at 40%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. I also have a feeling it'll be a part of our conversation tomorrow as we do Friday yeah. spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Yeah, I guess that. uh, I'm guessing that might be the first college game we discuss, but it's a 9 a.m. game. Well, 10 o'clock in our time. I, I get I'm all confused because of the time change. But, uh, you know, that's the that's the one thing that, you know, some people think this is a big deal because it's not one of these wide-out games that Penn State's had over the years. But also, like a lot of those people don't realize that Penn State has lost a handful of those wide-out games, mainly to Ohio State over the years. Uh, so the home crowd at night has not been nearly as big a deal for Penn State as uh, most people seem to think. It looks cool on TV, though. That is exactly true. There's no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. You'd like to like to be there. Problem is, you got to try to get to Happy Valley, which is a pain. We wrap up this Thursday edition of Extra Point next. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7, channel number two. November 9th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com. And with that KDOS 1060 app, there's a pretty cool prize. Hardwood tickets. All you have to do is download the KDOS 1060 app and register. You're eligible to win that contest. But it's time once again, Bob. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever. And whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today at Michigan and Penn State preview and some sign-stealing stuff uh, with Aaron McCann of MLive.com. Also, sound day courtesy of Fox, CBS, and 3TV. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from uh, 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5 in the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. Tonight, we've talked about it. It's the Panthers at the Bears, Amazon Prime, 6-15 start. Uh, ASU men's basketball, they played yesterday. They lost to Mississippi State last night, 71-56. to They will play next against Texas Southern on Saturday at 1.30 p.m. And this was from... Well, they lost to last year, by the way. Yes. They lost at Texas Southern last year. Uh, didn't watch that, you know, I didn't know of any place I could watch that game from last night, but just reading, uh, the one recap that I saw from that game, uh, they got their asses handed to them and, uh, Mississippi state was without their two best players and still had no problem against ASU last night, which is a little disturbing. 
One thing that we didn't touch on here uh, for Major League Baseball, it's in regards to the finalists for their postseason awards. They will announce the winners November 13th through the 16th. And when it comes to the Diamondbacks here, there's a couple of players to note. National League Cy Young uh, finalists, Zach Gallen, Blake Snell, and Logan Webb. Numbers for Gallen on the season, 17-9, 3.47 ERA, 220 strikeouts, 22 home runs given up in 47 walks for Snell with the Padres, 14-9, 2.25 ERA, 234 strikeouts, 15 home runs, and 99 walks given up. And for Logan Webb, 11-13, 3.25 ERA, 194 strikeouts, 20 home runs, and 31 walks. I actually think Webb was the best pitcher, quite frankly, but he played for the Giants, so that's going to work against him. I think that Snell's actually going to win it, which is kind of a joke because he played on a team that underachieved. He was good for the most part, but he also had some stretches where he wasn't good. And one of the reasons that the Padres were, I think it's safe to say, the most inconsistent team that people thought were going to be, at least a team that people thought was going to be good, uh, he was a part of that. I mean, he had a couple stretches where he was terrible. Uh, then he had a whole bunch of stretches where he was dominant. But, uh, you know, I'm guessing you know, the way that these uh, MLB season awards work more so than ever before because a lot of the voters are now more into the metrics and actually whether your team, what's your value to a team that wins. Uh, so I'm guessing that Snell's going to win it. The NL Rookie of the Year, Corbin Carroll, James Outman with the Dodgers, and Kadai yeah. Senga with the Mets. That should be if Carroll's anybody, award. Yeah, if anybody does not vote for Corbin Carroll, they should never be allowed to watch a baseball game ever again, let alone vote on something. Uh, the AL Manager of the Year candidates, Bruce Bochy with the Rangers, Kevin Cash with the Rays, and Brandon Hyde with the Orioles in the National League, Craig Council with the Brewers, Skip Shoemaker with the Marlins, and Brian Snicker with the Braves. It'd be kind of important to point out important to point out here. This is regular season awards too. So, you know, as good as Bochy is, I mean, if they voted that now, I mean my God. <laughs> so but that this is regular season. Absolutely. Good distinction there. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. That's tomorrow. The Sports Zone gets things started, though, at 10 a.m. We'll talk to you then.